1: Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the -the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Join a cast of over 70 uniquely brilliant individuals. Each week, Mike Damish and an eclectic mix of cast members and special guests will engage in mindful and lively conversations about everything from meditation to spirituality to personal passions to successes and failures to relationships to the stuff that makes up the moments of our daily lives. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. Yes, I am your host, Mike Domish, and thrilled to be
2: here with our cast from the Everyday Mindfulness Show. This week's cast members include Barry Moniak, Bernie Shong, and Todd Adams. You can find out about each of them at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And as you know, each episode, we start with a quote or something that inspired this week's theme. And this week's theme is about leading with love. And here was the quote. It's from the book Breakfast with Buddha by Roland Murillo. The quote is, the music of God is always playing. Are you listening? And at this point in the book, he's talking about the music of God actually being love. So you think of love is always playing. Are you listening? I love that concept. How are we leading with love? You know, an example would be with so much negative political energy in the past year. How do you lead with love? I'll kick it off for our cast members, Barry, Bernie, Todd, what do you think?
3: I love this topic because in the work I do, which is quite a bit of coaching and And writing with many changemakers in the world, we've all noticed uh, quite a negative shift in our respective communities, especially with everything that went on politically here in the U.S. And what many of us have all come to realize is regardless of what side you stand on, there's no excuse for us not to love each other, right? Right. There's no excuse for us to judge each other for our differences and opinions and differing views because at the end of the day, we're all human beings with the, the same needs and the same mission here on this planet in this lifetime, and that is to be loving people to serve and support others. So with that, I, I completely agree with that quote. I completely agree with the topic of today's conversation. And it's a very hard thing being human to not get caught up in the debates or to not get caught up in the very polarizing views and wanting to you know, stand my ground and, and dig my heels next to those I agree with. But at the same time, I love that you said the word listening because this has definitely been a trying time where we all need to learn how to listen more. Um, To others views so that we can all find a common ground rather than finding the thing that divides us
4: Bernie I love the idea that you said stand up because my wife and I do a podcast together and we had a discussion about the difference between fighting and Standing and fighting is an idea that we it's not a word that works for either one of us because regardless of what your enemy it could be the enemy within or the enemy without but if you use the term fight it you're basically kind of lowering yourself to whatever level that you're fighting up against. But the word stand kind of has a different meaning for us. Like that doesn't mean that you just kind of roll over and you let somebody push you around with whatever's going on, but you can stand up for what it is that you believe in without necessarily having to fight or make somebody else less than.
3: Yes. I love that you brought that up, Todd. And what came up in some of these conversations I had with others was there are different ways to be an activist, right? There are different ways to stand up for what you believe in. And we've got some people on one side saying, you've got to go and, you know, march in the streets and hold signs and scream while others are saying, but what about me who maybe wants to do it behind the scenes? Maybe I want to be a little bit more quiet and not as vocal about the way I support others. So it, goes, you know, it all goes back to not judging others for the way they choose to, to stand up and support their cause.
0: I don't know that it's humanly possible to not judge. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's our nature. It's what we do with that judgment. Mm-hmm. And one of the things for me, we're we're getting into some really deep, meaty stuff. And when we use words like fight, love, and, and a whole bunch more, the semantics of what does that mean and what does it mean to me and what does it mean to you? I think part of what's going on in our social political landscape is these things are are bubbling to the top that we're going to have to really start having some conversation to go, well, Bernie, what does love mean to you? Because I may or may not agree with that, but can we at least have a conversation about it so that I better understand what does it mean to you?
2: Well, Barry, I think it's, I think that's, yeah, that's it. You see it in the way people have these conversations. So I'll give you an example. Some people will say, well, to to lead with love, that means I care about every human being and I'm going to be supportive of all missions, projects, legislation that helps support people get to where they want to go. Others will say, I believe in love for every human being and to help To show that love is to let those human beings have the struggle to figure it out, to be independent, to not give them too much support because real love is helping them get to where they want to go. And they both strongly believe in those belief systems, Mm -hmm. even though they are two completely opposite concepts. They both lead with love. Yes. And so that's what becomes interesting is people don't want to believe that though. They want to say, wait, wait, the side who said, I'm not going to give you all the support systems because I want you to figure this out on your own. That's not loving at all. Well, to the person who believes that it is incredibly loving that parents do it all the time and say, that's based on love that I'm letting my child go through those tough times and those ropes. And, and on the flip side. The person who goes, but you're not loving them at all by just giving it to them. Don't understand that. But you do give all these support systems to people you love and help them get to where they have to go. It's a matter of how do you listen to each other at that moment and at least empathize with where each of you is viewing that love?
4: I think, you know, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits, he talks about begin with the end in mind. And believe me, I'm not about to get into any type of political debate, but like for the, you know, the refugee thing that's happened is that the president wants to keep us safe. So he's doing certain things. And the people who oppose the president also wants to keep the country safe. So if we can agree that we will all want the same thing, it's just how we go about it are two very separate things. But if we can at least agree that we want to be safe, then maybe we can somehow come together, whether it's the political atmosphere, or whether it's when you're talking to your kid about something that happened at school, it doesn't matter what it is, but begin with the end in mind. And that's something that I try to remember whenever I'm, you know, find myself judging to Barry's point. Yeah. Right. Just a, a couple of things, Todd, just
0: for the record. My company, End in Mind, was around before Stephen Covey came <laughs> up with that. So I'm just saying. <laughs> Love it. But I have not been able to get a penny out of him for. Oh. Oh. But the other thing is, if we were to to sit down with the hardcore Islamic terrorists, whatever we want to label them, they are doing what they're doing from their perception of love, Mm -hmm. love of humanity, Mm -hmm. love of the planet, fighting for what they think is going to be in the best interest of humanity. This is where it gets kind of sketchy. And this is where I look at this word love And unfortunately, the the psychological community has relegated love to an emotional state. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that any longer. From my spiritual studies, love is a very impartial. It's it's the fourth chakra. It's between the as above, so below. And, And so it's a very even cold hearted state to see things as they really are, not to Put my, my emotional content on it. Oh, because I like you, I love you. No, do I really know you? Do I really see you? Do I really get you? To me, that's a deeper state of love. What I do with that, that becomes a whole other dialogue.
3: I was going to kind of go back to a point Barry made before, and it reminds me of something that Phil or our mutual friend, had shared with me too. And Barry talked about, you know, it's hard to not judge. and And... Phil's quote to me was, or his advice to me was, to: "It's okay to have a a uh, reaction to something, but it's our response." that we are responsible for. So, you know, yeah. So back to Barry's point. uh, Yeah. Hello. I'm quick to judging how I feel about something that poses, you know, my viewpoint, but how I choose to respond to either that person or that blog article or a Facebook update or, uh, you know, a, a tweet that has been shared. That is my responsibility. And here's the pros and cons to that. If somebody supports me, that's great. They see what I'm saying. They stand beside me and that's awesome. But at the same time, Others with an opposing view may also have a criticism about what I'm saying too. So I need to be ready and willing to also engage with those as well. And also, if if I'm going to be doing it you know, in a more productive manner and constructive manner, I'm going to be open to them having an opposing view and be able to have that engaging conversation with them to see why they stand on that topic the way they do. And that's going to allow me to learn from them as well. And I, and I think that's the key here is... Just because you have a point and just because you state that point doesn't mean that everybody's going to hear it and receive it the same as you. So you've got to be willing to have those conversations when somebody opposes you. And I think there are some people who are putting things out there and they're not ready to have those conversations. So my question is, then why put it out there?
2: So, yeah, right. Because you're putting out negative energy without an attempt at understanding the where the love is coming from on the other side, as as we were just saying before. Uh, and so it is. It is a negative flow that continues. How do you catch it when we're doing it ourselves? You know, for the listener out there going, "Yeah, we we all get this, right? We all get that we become judgmental." One of our cast members, Jessica Pettit, not on today, but one of our cast members, so brilliantly a few years ago, and you can look it up on YouTube. Pettit, P-E-T-T-I-T-T. She does a a, a five minute speech about leaving room for edits. That is brilliant. And it says we're all gonna judge. Stop feeling guilty over judging somebody. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But are you leaving room for edits? Are you leaving room to write the rest of the story versus just assuming that that judgment is the story of that person? Uh, It's so powerful. So I think, you know, Jessica gives you that landscape of all right, I'm judging. Now what? So, what do the three of you think? How do you catch yourself judging? Well, for, I think the
4: first thing is you have to recognize it and become aware of it. I think most of us get lost in the minutia that the judgment takes over. Like, you know, you got to create space between stimulus and reaction. And how do you do that? You do that through breath work. You do that through meditation, prayer, yoga, whatever the case is. So you, it's a muscle that you have to build and it's not something that you ever get to either. Like the judgment always be creeping back in, but the more that you work that muscle, Of reflection and then to your point Mike you got to bless yourself when you do find yourself judging because I think we're also very quick to shame ourselves for having those judgmental thoughts so
0: I would maybe take it a step further that giving myself permission to judge is Mm -hmm. my human birthright yeah now societally we have have because of academia and corporate structure we have become very intellectually oriented And when you're having an intellectual encounter with someone, then it's point-counterpoint. I am trying to prove to you that my point is the right point. If we had a little bit more of a philosophical base, I'm absolutely entitled to my point, and I will stand for my point. I'm also entitled to find out what's yours, and why do you look at it that way? Now I've got two pieces of information. If yours doesn't match mine, I can keep mine. If yours causes me to look at something a little bit different, then thank you so much for giving me that that additional vantage point because I think I might shift my perception just a little bit here. So if society could become a little more philosophical, we could benefit from one another instead of arguing with one another.
2: What about when you see the other person let's say you go into a conversation with that intent and you do start that way. You're open, you're listening and they get personal and suddenly we find ourselves defensive
4: versus listening. You just beat the crap out of them. And when they wake up, they're much more (laughs) more humble. (laughs) I think my, mine is, you know, I have plenty of friends who live on the other side of the aisle. And as long as I feel like they're going that, that they're going to put themselves to be able to, to be influenced by what it is that I have to say because I will certainly put myself in a position to be influenced by what it is that they have to say. The minute that I realize that, that there's no chance that that's going to happen, I will either physically remove myself or I'll just change the subject because it's really, it's, it's really hard to reach somebody who in the moment is unreachable.
2: I'm see I love that Todd cause that's me. If I'm in an environment where you're at a party and there's lots going on and I'm in the room where people are not in a place to listen, but they're just it's almost like they're spewing whatever side you're coming from. Yeah. They're just spewing, but they they don't want to listen and you recognize this this just isn't going to go well. <laughs> like you know, this is not if I engage in this conversation, this is not going to go well. So I'm going to remove myself from this environment and I do, I will, I'll walk out and I don't mean I walk out like storm out. I'll just be like, you know what, uh, you know what, I'm going to go do something over there. I'm going to do something over there because, and I won't make an announcement that I'm walking out. You know what I mean? It's just, you move, remove yourself from the situation or if you can't, like you're in this environment and there's not four other things to do, it's not a party. I will emotionally remove myself Mm -hmm from the conversation like okay this is going to go where it's going to go i'm going to i'm going to choose to detach right now so that i this does not fire up triggers for me that i don't need fired up that aren't healthy that aren't positive right
4: and the and the idea that you that you talked about i'm not going to storm out because when you do storm out and and when that happens to me and it happens to everybody is that's when i'm in a position that i want to be right as opposed to wanting to listen and have a sense of open openness and curiosity. So even by thinking that you're taking the high road by storming out and we talk, we deal with a lot of parents and a lot of parents will you know make sure that you know that parents will say I told you so to the kids just for the sake of being right. Whenever you're in the you're in any situation and you want to be right, you know that there's judgment in there. even though that may there may be a part of our consciousness that thinks that we're taking the high road by removing ourselves from the situation, we're just subscribing to the same low frequency energy that the opposing person is is displaying
0: well here here again, we're getting into some semantical stuff. and and this you guys may or may not uh, align with this, but like you, use the word fight as something that you don't want to associate with. Right. I like the word. I love the word. Mm -hmm. I am a fighter at my core. Right. But to take it to a physical level to maintain the level that the fight's coming at me, that's not the mindset of a superior fighter. Mm -hmm. A superior fighter is always wanting to take it up to a higher level. So if I'm disagreeing with someone, well, on the level that we're interacting, I'm never going to win the fight. But I can always take it up to a higher frequency, and that may not be in what I say or what I do. It may be how I hold my awareness of that person or of that situation, we're all energetic beings quantum physics has proven that energy that reality happens from subtle to dense so if we can take our mind our awareness to a higher frequency well then it's hard for someone to to resist when in my mind they're being loved in a better way in a higher frequency kind of a way sooner or later They're going to go, wow, he's not arguing with me. He's not trying to beat me up. Mm -hmm. He still looks at me and treats me
4: like as if he cares, even though we vehemently disagree. Well, I think that's so great what you just said, Barry, because it's semantics. And just because I'm not a fan of the word fight doesn't mean that it's the right word or the wrong word. It's simply the energy that I give that word, because all words are guideposts. of It's a communication vehicle. So... And my wife is a wordsmith, so if I say the wrong word, then she'll call me out on it and say, you know, what is it that you mean by that? Whereas I really don't care that much about what words are used or not. I already know how I'm feeling, and sometimes I don't communicate it as well. But, you know, to your point, there's no right or wrong words. It's like, what does that word represent for you? Right.
0: Well, I, I taught martial arts for quite a few years and, and even developed a, a program back in L.A. called Mental Martial Arts that when we're communicating with people, do we use the same strategies, technologies that we learned in the physical martial arts, that before, like Bernie was saying, before I react, what, what just happened? What needs to happen? What who, Where am I at? What am I doing? Let's assess everything so that I'm moving forward as intelligently as possible. And, and that's why all of those connotations fire me up. Like, yeah, why aren't, more people, better fighters.
2: Quick question on that then. If, is there a concern that, you had mentioned Barry, hey, you know, to win, you got to take it to a higher level. Is there a concern that then people hear that and think, well, it's about winning? Mm, good question. It's not about being present and being mindful. It's about, I'm just playing these these mental martial arts, these higher level games to win.
0: Well, I, again, now what does win mean? If win means... I get something and you don't, you know, I beat you, I'm better. Well, that's that, what I would refer to as immature way of looking at winning. If you and I get to a point of going, wow, this is a better quality relationship than we ever imagined. Our business partnership is just rocking it in ways that we never thought possible. Well, then, yeah, I'm okay with winning on that level, Because it does. To me, winning includes other people.
2: So for for everyone, I mean, this is a great conversation about winning because in an argument or a disagreement or try to understanding of different viewpoints, a win is really an appreciation for each other in the end. Yes. For me, right? That you have that appreciation for each other. I had this happen recently. I was in a conversation with somebody. It was political and it was about a certain political figure and it was late in the night, uh, you know, on a holiday type of thing. And this person was was adamant. I was probably being, I'm sure I was being adamant. Uh, see, I didn't want to own it there. I was being adamant in my mindset. They were being adamant in my, their mindset when they finally made a comment like, well, you would never this or that anyways. In other words, I would never support anything they were going to say anyways. And I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. There are things I do agree with. And he was like, yeah, right. Was sort of the attitude. But yeah, you're just saying that. You know, to not look bad. He goes, you like what? And I'm like, good question. And so I started to step back and go, what are things I agree with? And so I named like three things. And it was just a shock on the other person's face that I was willing to acknowledge that maybe the the side he perceived me on, I didn't see was perfect, that I did see flaws with how it had operated and made choices and that there were positives from the side he was coming from. Now, what was interesting is I thought they went, oh, good, we're having something here. But what's interesting is sometimes you're just with somebody who they're happy that you're seeing their side, but they never reflect back how how they never want to flip that table mm-hmm. and say, you know what, here's ways I see that side doing good. That never occurred. And you have to ask yourself, okay, that's okay. Cause that's not why I'm in this conversation. I'm not in this to win an equality argument. I'm in this to learn, to discover, see where they're coming from. Otherwise I'm just lecturing. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing, or right. I'm in a debate mm-hmm. that that's all I'm doing. Right. But it was really an interesting moment at the moment it happened. You're like, Ooh, all right. They're noticing me acknowledging. And then as you stepped back, when it was all done, you went, wow, but it never came back around. That's okay. Well, I wasn't trying to win you, a debate.
4: I'll push it back, Mike. And it might take that individual 10 more practices before yes. he ever gets into that situation where he's in a position to reflect back. But yes, what you did, and maybe was, Mike
0: just planted a seed that someone else can take, yes. uh, you know, a yard further down the playing field in some other situation. Yes. Yeah. You know,
3: this is a really good segue because I was thinking about the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, because Dale Carnegie did, had such a great concept there of being better listeners, right? The best conversationalists are the ones who don't talk <laughs> pretty much. And it's something that I know that I took with me in my in my sales experience. I know I talked a bit about this on the other show, Mike and Barry. But then this also, I think, is is so relevant here, too, with uh, how to lead with love. So many people right now are... are whether they're struggling or they're worried in a a state of panic and they're frantic and they just want to vent, right? Or they just want to be heard. And I think if we all got better at listening and we all got better at holding space for people, to to vent or express themselves the way they need to i think many times that also helps diffuse some of these situations where people are getting really vocal and getting uh, very violent with each other maybe it's an ideal world i live in but i have found no, that not most at
1: all.
3: <laughs> well most of the conversations i've had as of late tend to be more loving because of that space we hold each other now i surround myself with people who are you know at a higher vibrational frequency as i am and i can tell all of you are too todd and and mike you guys talked about it before when you're in a situation where you don't have somebody at that wavelength yeah then you step away but how then can we help empower people to be better listeners and you know s- reflect you know the way role todd modeling just about
4: role modeling role modeling yeah. That's there it the is.
0: only thing. I think there that's that's an aspect. Given what we all do, we're we're we exist in the world of presentation. We we actually admit to ourselves that we are influencers, and and so the listening, the holding space, these are all incremental aspects of it. I think at at the heart of it, if we get back to the love, the way I imagine myself loving other people, is. Using their ideas, their wiring, their framework mm. to help them get to a point of they themselves looking at something differently, being willing to take a different action on something. Not because I told them that was right or wrong, but to actually help them get to the point. So it goes back to parenting. We do it with our kids and we don't think anything of it. We want them to be smart and adept and know the the lay of the land when they go out there on their own. We can take aspects of that out into the 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 regular world, the business world, and help grow people. So I don't want to argue with someone, oh, you're a this and I'm a that and we're never going to agree. I want to learn their language and help them look at something, maybe from a different vantage point.
2: Well, I love what you said there about learning their language. Yeah. It it becomes very empowering to understand how does that person hear? How does that person listen? What triggers them in a in a path that's not healthy? What triggers them in a path that is healthy? And if you're a parent and you have multiple children, you're well aware this is real. Mm-hmm. That what you can say to one child, you cannot say yeah. to the others and expect that same result. If you've ever coached, you can have 30 athletes in front of you and the one will come up to you after you talk to the entire team. How dare you talk about me that way? Wait a second. I was talking to 30 people <laughs> all at once, but you know you were talking about me. Okay, clearly I said something that triggered them on a personal level uh, because they have a different language that they're listening with than I was using. Right. And so that's not against them. That's not against me. That's an acknowledgement. How do the three of you listen for love in your daily life? How do you start each day Listening for love. How do you do it during the day?
4: Well, real quick, Mike. And I I love giving resources. And I just spoke to a bunch of sixty dads, and we talked about parenting and relationships with their spouse and all that. And you know, a lot. Most of us are probably familiar with the five different love languages. But if there's any listeners that are not familiar with that, there you just Google five love languages, and it talks about the five different ways that we give and receive love. And it is for my, in my opinion, a shortcut on and developing deeper connections with the people that you love most. So I just wanted to throw that out there as a resource for anybody who's listening, because it has helped me in my marriage and then also connecting with my children. So
3: acts of service. That's, <laughs> That's my number and, one. And acts I, of service. And
0: this, is, this is just my jaded self talking here. I would retitle that book, The Five Emotional Languages, mm. more so mm. than the by love languages, but it's still good at what, it, what it's doing. Humanity has been been deemed for thousands of years as a collective consciousness, and then somehow we just set that aside and go on about our business. So my daily meditation, how I enter the world, is really contemplating that, what the heck does that mean? How are we connected when I look at everybody else? We're so individuated. You're in your bodies. I'm in my body. You've got your thoughts. We've each got our own wiring. And yet somehow we're all connected. And so I'd, I leave that in, in what, you know, Einstein called the in solution, you know, the, the what if. He he kept asking the same question day after day after day. And that's when he finally came on something. So what is it that connects us? I think that connection is love. Mm. I just don't think we know exactly what it is. Mm. But you know what? One ship lands and something gets off that ship that's not human. And in that moment, instantaneously, we are all identical.
4: hmm Yeah.
0: Mike,
3: to (laughs) (laughs) to answer your question, Mike, I have a daily mantra, and it's do good work for the sake of the good doing. And some days it's harder than others to have the energy to do that. But I find that when I'm not doing good work that makes me feel purposeful or meaningful in the world, that is when I'm not as happy. That's when I'm not as motivated. That's why I'm not as inspired. So what I do is I practice serving and giving to others as cheesy as it sounds, even if it's as simple as somebody sending an email and just asking me a quick question and I make the time to respond to them. You know, when I have hundreds of emails to go or whether it's, you know, somebody's on Facebook writing about something that, you know, that they're having a hard time and Maybe they're not getting the attention that they want, and I might just send them a private message and nudge them and, and send them love. So it's small, simple things like that. But it's as big as things like you know traveling to Asia to help build a water well uh, a couple of years ago when I got to do that. So I think sometimes people think that the work they need to do has to be grand every time, but many times it can be small, little things. As Mother Teresa says, uh, "We uh, how does she say it? She says we can do no great things, but we can do small things with with great love."
4: Mm. Mm-hmm. Wonderful.
3: I
2: love it. And there you go with great love. That was just perfect, Bernie. Uh, so I mean, we brought it right back. And I know for me, it is my affirmations that I read to myself each morning, and they're personal. So I've written them to fit me. It's in there that I believe that we're all connected by this great energy. And then I'll I'll say in my affirmations, love. And so it's it's reading to myself every day that reminder. Hey, this is what's connecting us. That's what I have always found to be helpful. I want to thank all three of you, Barry, Bernie, Todd. This has been an awesome discussion. Hey, everyone listening out there, check out our brilliant cast at everydaymindfulnessshow.com where you can learn all about them, reach out to them, contact them, ask questions. Thank each of you for joining me this week. Thank you, Mike. you. Thank you. Absolutely. And for everybody listening, remember to visit the Everyday Mindfulness Show on Facebook and Twitter and enjoy living a life of Everyday Mindfulness. Three quick reminders. One, please subscribe to the Everyday Mindfulness Show on iTunes. Already subscribed? Then encourage others to join us by inviting them to subscribe to the show. Two, while on iTunes, download all the latest episodes. Three, reviews help more people find out about the show. Would you please go into iTunes and write a review? Doing so helps spread the mission of the show. Thanks.
1: We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com and check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.